Acts chapter 2. We're Pentecostals, aren't we? How many spirit-filled people are still in the house here? Come on, wave. God likes a little action. There you are. There you are. We're Pentecostals. I'll explain what that means in a little bit, but it means more than just outward expression. There's a whole lot more meaning to it. I'm going to break down the text. And this is what's going to happen. At the end, we're going to come to the altar and we're going to take communion together. And maybe the Lord can do some other things because Pentecost empowers the church. He sent the Spirit to empower the church. So before the platform, before they leave the platform, I just want to, I want to get you into the setting. Jesus is post-resurrection. 40 days, He's met with people. We tried to get to that last week, but the Lord interrupted our service. How I many know oh, He's okay to interrupt it again if He wants? We're ready for whatever He wants. In fact, last week, the Holy Spirit said to us in this place, not waiting on me, I'm waiting on you. So whenever you're ready, he's ready. But here's the deal. What happened between the resurrection and the second chapter of Acts? I want you to get there. I want you to feel that. I want you to sense that. From the two guys walking on the way home, thinking Jesus is dead, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus appears. I said, he's alive. They didn't even really, they didn't even really comprehend that. They, they weren't connecting the dot. They didn't get it. They were disconnected. They were grieving. I mean, no, this is not the day to grieve. This is the day to be fully alive. We're 2,000 years later. We know the gospel. Jesus is alive. And the Bible says from starting with Moses, he explained the scriptures from Moses all the way until that very moment. And then when they had communion together, they said, man, did not our hearts burn within us? I mean, they felt the presence of the Lord. That was just one visitation from the Lord. Then several. He, he ate on the beach. Right? Grilled fish with Peter. He was with Mary. With the ladies coming out of the grill. And they all had joy in their hearts. I'm not sure what you're experiencing this morning, but they all were filled with joy. Post-resurrection was an energized bunch of people. At least those who believe. Because he met one time with the disciples. Then he met again with those with Thomas and without Thomas. There's always a doubter in the bunch. But how many know when he put his hands right there in the, in the master's side. And saw the scars in his hands. He realized this was Jesus. And then the 500 we tried to talk to you about last week. 500 of the Galilee. And the Lord instructed them to go to Jerusalem. And wait and pray for the promise. Somehow, somehow, Jim, somehow between that last visit and the 50th day, 10 days later, they had to find the mind of God and get in one accord. But on the, on the 50th day, 10 days after he left in the ascension, a powerful thing happened. I said, we're going to Acts chapter 2. Is anybody here ready to celebrate? A Pentecostal move of the Holy Spirit. Come on, give God praise. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, worship team. Let's open our Bibles. Let's open the book. Let me tell you why. In Pentecostal circles, many times we emphasize the wrong thing. Now, I'm a tongue talker. Any tongue talkers in here? All five of you? How many tongue talkers are ashamed to be tongue talkers? How many one-time tongue talkers never talked again in tongues? That happens a lot in the Assemblies of God. How many of the baptism is only the beginning of a spirit-filled life? Not the end. It's empowerment. God empowered it. The church is started in the book of Acts chapter 2. That's where the church was started. But, but it's not the meaning of the whole deal. And today, I just want to take a few minutes to just break down what the real spirit of Pentecost is. It's the power of we. It's the power of we. Can somebody shout we? You know, we say it every we are. We're Oak Grove. We are Oak Grove. I'm not Oak Grove alone. I'm not Oak Grove without you. If I didn't have you, I wouldn't be Oak Grove. We are Oak Grove. And Oak Grove is just the name of the street where we, we are really the church. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really what we are. We are the New Testament church. We're a New Testament church. You know how old we are? Not 78 years old. We're 2,021 years old. That's how old we are. And, 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 that's not, and that's not how old God's people are. God's people are older than that. 
I mean, no, the Holy Spirit's been around a long time. And he had one goal in mind, Jesus, the thoughts of God, the thoughts of God brought forth an incarnation in the mind of God and the thoughts of God because he knew the plan and he knew the future. In his foreknowledge, he knew Adam and Eve would not obey completely. He knew he had, he had a plan. And from the foundation of the world, how many glad Jesus was given as our provision? Anybody glad for that? I mean, really, that's you can't really have a Pentecost without a Passover. In Jewish, in Jewish tradition, they had three major important feasts. The Feast of Passover. If you look at the Old Testament and Moses, they come out of Egypt. That was Passover. They ate Passover. They killed the spotless, perfect lamb, and they, and they ate together and put the blood and, and, and atoned for the sins of the people before they even left. And they left, and they followed God. How I many know we're a spirit-led church? We're the spirit-led people of God. There were not no instructions. I've looked all in this book. For a system and a structure and an organization to follow. How I many know it's not in there? We are the church, spirit-led people of God. I wish there was an easy little, you know, Josiah, it would be really good if Pastor Ron could take it out. Okay, Ron, if you'll do this, this, and that, you'll be doing the right thing. But no, he said, I'm going to give you the spirit. Follow me. He told the disciples, follow me. That was the end of his instructions. The rest was up to us to follow, obey, follow him. He will lead you. And then at the end, he says, I've got to go. I've got to go. But I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the comforter. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He's going to reveal things to you. Follow him. Follow him. A spirit-led church is a church that follows the spirit's leading. Follow the spirit's leading. I mean, Many a times I've missed the voice of the Spirit. How about you? Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? He's not kicking us around, beating us up. We're doing our best. But when I miss it, I get in the flesh. When I, when I catch it, I get in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, how many of you are going to worry about the flesh? And, and the book is important. How many know this book is very important? This is the revelation of God to man. God gave us his word. And the disciples didn't really connect the dots. And last week I tried in just a few minutes because the Lord had his way. And you know what? We could have camped out last week, but I had no campers. Pastor Ron's not going to camp here by himself. Hello. I can go home and camp out. We are the church. I said what the church does, the church does together. Together. We don't camp out alone. Now you can buy you a camper. And you and your family get in it and go out to the lake and spend yourself time. But how many know it's going to be tough for the whole old grove to get to in your camper? But you know what we do when we come to church? We come together. We are the church. And there's power in we. And those 500 turned into 120. Now, let me say it. Not everybody's going to walk in obedience. 500 heard the command. 120 met in the upper room. Did I miss something? I don't want, I'm not good at math. You figure it out yourself. 500 heard the command. Only 120 showed up to obey. Not everybody's always on board. Before he said, receive the power, he said, wait for the promise. And the, and, and the thing I want to really tackle this morning is the release, not of the Holy Spirit just yet. But the release of Jesus. Oh, man. I want to spend some time here. Is it okay if I just unpack this a little bit? They were on the day of Pentecost and fully come. They were all assembled together in one place when suddenly, I mean, some things happened suddenly. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest, a wind, a blast. The sound wasn't wind, but it was sound. It was a sound. Are you hearing me? The sound of heaven, from heaven, from heaven, from heaven, not from the world, from heaven. And it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. So whoever was there got in on it. And there appeared to them tongues resembling fire. So fire in the shape of tongue, evidently, something like that. 
I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get a vision of the text. How I many know it's a supernatural phenomenon? They saw something and they heard something. Right? So the supernatural invisible is now becoming visible to the people who are together. Not to the disconnected, hiding, cowardly, running, scared, dispersed people. Not to the opinionated, I church, but to the we church. We. We came together. We obeyed. We prayed. He came. That's how it's happening. Is that right? Am I, am I getting too complicated? And they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls. How, how many of you like to be diffused throughout your soul today? I mean, from head to toe. And with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages, tongues, different foreign languages or tongues. As the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression, loud expression in each tongue, inappropriate words. Not personal, private tongue. A loud and expressive tongue. So Pentecost is not convenient. It's not, it's not uh, shy and private. This is a public manifestation, a physical. Is anybody with me today? I'm trying to explain something because I got a point I want to really get to. Because I think all of us together in session ought to experience the same thing. And this is what's happening. And, uh, and it was expression appropriate uh, in each tongue, appropriate words. And, and they steadfastly, uh, moving on to Acts 2.42, this is the result. They steadfastly preserved, uh, persevered, I'm sorry, de- devoting themselves constantly, constantly, constantly. Not occasionally. Not when I feel like it. Constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles. And the breaking of bread, which we're going to do in a little while, including the Lord's Supper, and prayers. That's what they did. That was the result. Together. All of that was together. Together. Somebody shout together. I'm not leaving until y'all get this. We could be here a long time. And a sense of awe, reverential fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles, the special messengers. And all who believed, all who adhered to and trusted in and relied on Jesus were united and together, and they had everything in common. And they sold their possessions, both their land, property, and their movable goods, and distributed the price among all according as it had need, as they had need. And day after day, how long? Continuously, and day after day, and regularly, regularly, not sporadically, once a month, regularly, they assembled in the temple with united purpose. And they assembled in their homes, and they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. And they partook of their food with gladness. How? With gladness. Not with sadness, with gladness and simplicity and generosity, generous, generous hearts. Constantly, somebody shout constantly, constantly praising God, not mumbling under their breath. Constantly praising God and being in favor and goodwill with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. I appreciate being saved. How many, how many of us are still being saved? Some of us got some some being to be saved from spiritual death. The power of unity. I want to talk about the power of we. But before I get that, I wanted you to catch this releasing of Jesus. Jesus, in his incarnation, in his humanity, was bound. You understand that? In the mind of God, he had to be limited. Ephesians 2, the kenosis. He emptied himself, being all that he was divine and took upon the form of a servant right so he he had limitations he had geographic limitations jesus uh you know at one time uh philip after the pentecost we'll see him in chapter eight being translated right man there he goes (laughs) and nobody knows how he got there so quickly but it was uh, how many ready to be translated out of here anybody how many like to be translated today from here to heaven right now 
that's the next great event. Don't want to go get ahead of myself, but 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 Jesus brought everybody together. Satan is trying to tear everybody apart. So the day, today we're talking about the power of we. How did we get to the to the book of Acts chapter two? When you look at chapter one, they 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 disconnected. They didn't understand. Even the two on the road to Emmaus trying to connect the dots. Why are they depressed? Jesus is resurrected. So he came and he showed himself. Hey, it's me. It's me. I was dead, but I'm alive. So there has to be some energy. Is anybody here excited about the fact that Jesus is alive? You have to start with that energy. To start with that excitement. You have to start with that enthusiasm. That's when the girls, they left the grave. They ran, ran to tell the disciples. When the shepherds heard that Jesus was born, they ran to the city to tell the good news. Something about Jesus ought to put an exuberant joy in your heart. It ought to release something in your spirit. So when Jesus was dead, three days, on the third day he came out. Pastor Mark, a powerful release happened. A release happened. Jesus is no longer bound by nationality or geographic. A location or, or anything earthbound. He's gone. This same Jesus they saw, he went and defied gravity. He went up. He defied gravity. He went up. No longer is he limited. Folks, listen to me. The grave could not even keep our Jesus down. Death couldn't even hold him down. No longer bound. How many know the resurrection by itself ought to be enough for us to get excited? Amen. And so that's the heart of ascension to Pentecost. Pentecost. Listen, John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But that was the Holy Spirit in them as salvation. Are you understanding? Because he's now he's post-resurrection, right? He said, I breathe in you. Now, receive the, the, the Passover, right? Let your sins be forgiven. But pass, Passover always leads to Pentecost. I mean, no, the Bible's always going somewhere. And Jesus said, I'm going up, but the Holy Spirit's going to come down. So I want you to go over to Jerusalem. I want you to pray. And so they did. And so they did. Do you know the loneliest time in the church service is the prayer meeting? They'll come in crowds at 10 a.m. prime time. Get her done. Check the box. Go home. Watch TV. Take a nap. Do what you want. Go out and eat. Do some projects. I mean, oh, the, the Sunday belongs to the Lord. I said, God has a Sabbath day. And he included that for us to have refreshing and rest. So stay fresh, to stay fresh. And so Sunday belongs to the Lord. It's not your convenience. And your convenience will take away your convictions. Yeah, your convictions will just go by the wayside if you can't keep your commitment. And out of 500, only 120 went. And they gathered together. How many know there's power in unity? There's power in unity. So who was there, Pastor Will? There was Mary, the mother of Jesus. That ought to freak a few Catholic people out. Mary was a tongue talker. Go tell the bishop somewhere. Go somebody go tell the bishop. Mary was a tongue talker. That ought to help them have the Vatican III rewritten. Write that. Mary was a tongue talker. And and 120 of them. 120 of them. But but if you don't understand what happened, they were waiting on the promise of the Father, something that was already prophesied. So Prayer is the seedbed of revival. Prayer is the seedbed of release. So Jesus is now released. Now the Holy Spirit comes. Now the church is about to be released. The church is about to be released, empowered, not just to speak in tongues. How many know there's a whole lot more? There's a whole lot more than just speaking in tongues, and I'm glad to speak in tongues. But before you... But before you forget, the power in tongues is for you to have boldness in English. I mean, if you don't even have boldness in English, you definitely need 
a supernatural language. It's the power. It's not the tongue. It's the power. You understand that? So the Holy Spirit's in you. He's already in you. Has anybody got that? Now he wants to empower you, release you, to go and do the Great Commission. Start in Jerusalem. Start with your family and friends. Go to Judea. Go to Samaria. Go to the other most parts of the earth. Just, Just go. Just go. And last week I got a little bit passionate. Let's go. Every week I get passionate. I don't know if you're waiting for me to lose my passion. But it's been 21 years. You know, my family has been waiting for me to lose my salvation. When I first got saved at 18, they said, Dog, give him a little time. He's in a religious kind of thing. He'll come out of it. I mean, 40 years later, I'm still going. I mean, this is not a religious activity. I had an encounter with the living God. Jesus is alive. I know he is. I know he is because he lives right in here. He lives in here. And if he's in here, I mean, he ought to come out of here. I got to tell you, it's imperative that we do this together. They needed each other. The Lord knew they would need each other. But before they needed, had the empowerment, they had to get together. And even in Luke, Luke emphasized in Acts chapter 1, they had to get, they had to replace Judas. Okay? In every bunch, there's always a betrayer. In every bunch, there's always a denier. In every bunch, there's always somebody who's going to allow the flesh to get in their spirit, and pride and arrogance is going to mess them up. And if it doesn't mess them up, ask Ananias and Sapphira. A double funeral one day. We'll get to it. Don't worry. We're going to get to it. Because this book is so action-packed, it has it all. Has anybody read the book of Acts? I just I read a little a summation. I just got so excited reading it. I thought I'd maybe share it with you. Uh, so many things happening in just a little span of time. Do you remember there was 400 years of silence before Jesus came? And then 33 years, you know, there was 18 years, not a whole lot. But in three and a half years, a lot of stuff happened, right? He was baptized by John. The Spirit came upon him. The ministry started, and he was he was going preaching and doing miracles and opening blind eyes. How many remember the gospel story? It's true. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke wrote Luke, and he wrote Acts. And it appears to me that Acts is a continuation of the gospel. And so we find him dead, buried, resurrected, ascended. And now he's released to take the full authority. Remember when he was at his hometown in Nazareth and he went into the synagogue and he began to expound from Isaiah and then he sat down in the Messiah's chair. You remember that? Everybody freaked out. What's he doing in the Messiah's chair? Well, he was the Messiah. I don't know that everybody really gets that, who Jesus really is. Jesus, and he asked them in the middle of a pagan world, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, Oh, fisherman, uneducated, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who he is. That's who he is. I said, that's who he is. And so he sat down, but now now he's seated down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and everything's under his feet. All authority, he said, before he gave the great commission, all authority has been given to me, Jesus said. I've been released. And now... I'm about to release you. That's why he said stuff, Max, like, you know, the things I did, greater things shall you do. Greater things. Because I'm going to send the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to release you. Not individually. Not by yourself. While Peter's in jail, the church is together praying. So Peter gets out of jail because we are the church. We are the church. Do you see that? There's power in unity. There's power in speech. There's power in speech. Man, man, the spirit fell. Tongues of fire sat upon each of them. It was visible. It was it was physical. People all over it came for Passover, right? They came for Passover. 
thousands of people. And, and, and there they are at the south side of the temple. David's grave and, and, and temple, the grave of David is over here, south of the temple, south side of the temple, south side of Jerusalem. And Peter stands up, and the Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit. Boy, I wish you would take a moment to read the preaching of the Apostle Peter. This same little uneducated fisherman who was ready to give it up and throw in uh, the towel and went back to fishing because he thought it was over. This Jesus came to him, and this Peter got fired up. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He was in the book of Acts. What would you miss if you didn't walk in obedience? What would you miss if you didn't obey the simple command, go and wait? How can you go and tell until you go and wait? You're not going to have any power. If today Pastor Ron and the board got together and they felt like they want to give you a brand new Corvette, that would be the first miracle. That ain't never happened, and it never will, unless it's my first fruit Corvette. So this is today is Pentecost, a week first fruits, right? Wave offering. I don't need a carvate. I need the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand that? But what if I gave you the keys to a Corvette and you never started the car? You just looked at it, you washed it, you polished it, you waxed it, you looked at it. You believe you had it, you know you had it. You got the promissory note on it. Actually, there is no note. We gave it to you. It was free. How many know it's free? And yet not used. Never cranked. Never put in gear. Never moved. That's what Acts 1.8 is saying. saying, hey, you shall receive power. Power. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. Power for what? Power to be my witnesses. Everywhere you go. I need power. I don't know if you need power today. Pastor Ron needs power. I need to be empowered. I said, I need to be empowered. How about you? I say, well, well, I was praying for y'all this morning. I thought, I wonder what Oak Grove needs to be empowered for today. Some of you need just to be empowered just to get out of bed. I mean, really, seriously. Seriously, not no joking. You, you, you could have physical ailments so bad you can probably hardly get out of bed. There's some people that wish they were here. They're not here. And there's some people that ought to be here, could be here, and are not here. So we need to stop and think, what is, I need, what, what, what is it I need power for? How about speech? When's the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to help you speak to somebody? Just speak. But Peter, as he stands up and preaches, he said, men of Galilee, because they started mocking. Because I want you to know, not only did the 120 hear them, hear the sound and see the tongues. But but the people, the 3,000 out there, right, they heard too. And what did they hear? They heard these Galileans. This is what it says, Acts chapter 2. They heard these Galileans speaking and praising God in their language. So they, they put it together. And Josiah, they said, well, how these Galileans know my language? I'm from Crete. I'm, I'm from here. I'm from there. They don't know my language, but they're praising God in my language. How many know that's a supernatural miracle? God allowed them to speak in an unknown tongue to them, but known to them. Why? Because there's more purpose to Pentecost than you have in a personal experience. There's purpose. It's for the evangelization of the world. Absolutely for the worship of God. How many glad that he gave us Pentecostal spirit-filled language, a supernatural language, so that we can be personally, intimately connected to him through the speaking in unknown tongues? Because when we speak to tongues, we speak to God and not to man. It's a channel that cannot be broken. Anybody glad for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And the personal edification of the Holy Spirit. And listen, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you've never spoken in tongues ever since, shame on you. You missed the point, which is what I'm trying to say here. The power of we is they didn't get it separately. God wanted them to get it together. 
in every sense of that word. <laughs> Get it together. Wait on the promise. So here Peter, who really didn't connect all the dots, is now starting to connect the dots. He's like, oh, wow. Right there in that moment, at the baptism in Acts 2, he's saying, this, hey, hey, men and women of Galilee, this, this is not, these people are not drunk as you suppose. First of all, logically and common sense is, it's nine in the morning. But this is that. How I many know oh, the Bible, the book is starting to be opened. The book is starting to be released. Jesus said, I'm going to release revelation to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that needs to be released is revelation about the gospel. How are you going to tell the gospel you don't even know? And I believe supernaturally the Lord anointed Peter right there at that moment. I think he anointed him right there. Boldly he stood up and said, these, these people are not drunk. This is that that Joel prophesied. What did Joel prophesy? He said, in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All of you people. I mean, that's big. Listen, the inclusivity of Gentiles. A Jew would be taken by that, taken by that. Uh, the gospel goes to who? All people? Their sons and daughters will prophesy? Are you kidding me? It's the most exclusive, inclusive piece of the Bible I've ever seen. How I many know oh, there's only one way to Jesus, to heaven? That's true, Jesus Christ. That's exclusivity. How I many know oh, there's not a bunch of steps and a bunch of ways that you can get to, to heaven? I said, Jesus is your only ticket to heaven. Is everybody clear on that? Okay, I hate, hate to offend anybody, but if you're offended, take it up with the Bible. That's the book. Jesus released the revelation to us. No one ever died and became alive again who's still alive today. Now, Lazarus died. He came alive. He's dead today. But Jesus died, came alive, and is alive today. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father with authority, all authority, in heaven and earth and even under the earth. Even under the earth. Death could not even. There is no rival. I said, I wish somebody would help me praise Jesus right now. Because the number one job description of the Holy Spirit is to lift up Jesus. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Come on. Lift your hands to the Lord. It really is all about Jesus. And many Pentecostals get so confused with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to lead and guide us into all truth. What is truth? It's the revealed Word of God. you got to see this because it didn't happen yesterday. Speech is a big deal. It's a big part of this. Not only unity. They were in one mind, one accord, right? Accord means same thinking. Same language, same thought, same goal, same worship, same God. One body. Only 120. How many know the Lord doesn't need a lot of people to come into unity? Just a, two or three. If two or three are gathered in my name, I will bless that church. There's authority. Authority for what? See, the empowerment comes with the authority. I don't know if you've ever been sick, but I... I was telling the prayer folks in prayer this morning that we get a little sickness, you go to Walgreens or CVS or wherever it is your heart desires. And you get an over-the-counter drug. A lot of them are not over-the-counter anymore because drug addicts took advantage of over-the-counter. They lock everything. They lock everything. You have to show your license, your credit card, your credential card, keys to the church. Nobody believes anybody anymore. It's just over. It's over, Rover. So you pick up some Sudafed or some Tylenol or whatever, and you go home, and it doesn't knock it out. So you make an appointment to the doctor, Laura. You go to the doctor. And, and, and the doctor, they will see you, and they will say, ooh, bad. You're right. Over-counter is not going to get it. And then they grab their magic pen and a little pad. You can't read it. Because some reason doctors, Laura, I don't know about your writing, baby, but some doctors, they learn how to not write. The smartest people you ever know can't write their name where you can read it. 
So they write real quick a prescription. They call it a prescription. And what that is, is, is it's authority. Because now you go back to the same place you went to, Walgreens. And you hand that over to the pharmacist. And they say, oh, I see you have power. He has power because you have authority. Now, the pharmacist has power to give you what you need because the authority was written by the doctor. You want me to simplify it in the most simple form? I can. (laughs) You need the Holy Ghost. I said, you need the Holy Spirit. And, And that's the authority. That's the authority. Written in the prescription. This is that. This is not some drunk people on an ecstatic kind of emotional roller coaster. This is that. This is coming. We're connecting the dots. The Old Testament is coming to pass. Jesus is at the right hand of God, and the Holy Spirit has come down. He's here. He's here. What is he doing? Oh, he just wants us to talk and sing and cry and praise, run, shout. No, he wants us to receive power so that we can be released. No limitations. You know how Jesus is not limited today? Neither should the church be limited. Prior to Pentecost, the church was limited. Uh, Didn't have the connecting mark. They didn't connect the dot. They didn't have the power. They didn't have the understanding. They didn't know. Uh, They knew Joel said something. But somehow, supernaturally, God anoints Peter, and he begins to preach. And then he got really bold, and he said, and he said, you people arrested him and put him on trial. And the, the Romans came. You gave him over to the Romans. The Romans killed him. And you killed the Lord of glory. How many know that's that's pretty big? You killed the Messiah. You killed the only hope we have. But God raised him from the dead. Man can't do what only God can do. I want revival more than I want anything else. I really do. But I can't do it. I went to Thailand, and the, and the theme of the Holy Spirit Conference over there was uh, journey to revival. And so I was the first preacher on Wednesday night, and I said, hey, I didn't bring revival in my suitcase because I can't. Revival cannot be packaged and put in the suitcase and drop it off in Thailand and say, go ahead. So what I told him was long before Ron Moran, Southern Missouri ministers came to town, he was already here. How many know he's already here? He's here, and if you need anything from the Holy Spirit, how many know he wants to empower you today? But we have to come together. Let me tell you where he's not going to go. Holy Spirit's not going to go where he's not welcome. He's not going to go where there's strife and envy and malice and fighting, backbiting and gossip. He's going to go where there's an open, open door. You got to see that by the time the church was dispersed, after this preaching, speaking with boldness, speaking with boldness. I mean, oh, God has given us power to speak. Speak. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That means proclamation. Transformation ought to lead to proclamation. But, but authority, authority gives you the transformation. You understand? He said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. You've been given the word. You've been given the papers. You've been given the orders. You've been given the authority. You've been given the prescription. You've been given the baptism. What are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? Are you understanding what I'm saying, church? This is not for Oak Grove only. But it should start at Jerusalem. I mean, I mean. It feels good to give money to the rest of the world, let them reach the world while we just sit here and sing Kumbaya. But how many know God wants us involved, wants to use your tongue? So you, you have time in prayer, personal, so you can go out in, t- in private, so you can go out in public and be bold, share. Pastor, I'm scared. Well, listen, come tonight at 6 o'clock. I mean, we have a remedy. I'm going to write your prescription right now, one that you can even actually understand it. I'll write my name on it. Come to 6 o'clock Bible study. I'll teach you how to evangelize. 
teaching. I mean, oh, you got to get rid of the excuses. We've got to get rid of the excuses. We've got everything we need. We've got everything we need. We've got power. We've got speech. We, we've got the table. The table is very important. The table is very important. It says in 42, right? Chapter 2, 42 through 49. What were they doing? As a result of being filled with the Spirit, after Peter preached, they were pricked to their heart. I mean, that's real preaching. This mamby-pamby preaching today and feel-good preaching and everybody's happy. I mean, no, that didn't prick anybody's heart. Nobody got convicted. They walked out the same way they walked in. I mean, no, we need to preach the Word of God, the unadulterated, pure Word of God. Nobody can preach worried about whether you're offended or not. How I many know the Word is still the Word? If it's good, if it's good for me, got to be good for the Apostle Paul, got to be good for all of us, right? In fact, Paul was very smart, Hebrew of all Hebrews. But God knocked him down, I mean flat to the ground. And what was the first thing he saw? The resurrected Christ. The resurrected Christ. The Holy Spirit is not some mystical force, some floating around theatrical kind of thing to give you some mystical feeling. I mean, no, he is the the third person in the Godhead so that you can be the force in the world. He empowers you. He illuminates the word. He's the one that connected the dots for Peter. Not only in chapter 1, when they fulfilled Judas's spot, but in chapter 2, when he preaches, he tells them the whole gospel. And they're pricked to the heart. And, and he said, and they said, this is what they said. How many know the world's waiting for the church to get ready? The world's waiting on the church. Because this is when they heard him preach. They said, what, what, what do we need to do? What do we need to do about this? And, and, and Peter said, repent. I mean, no, that's a. That needs to be a new buzzword. I mean, no, repentance needs to come back to the house of the Lord. Repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus, so that your sins might be blotted out. See, Pentecost always takes you back to Passover. Calvary, are you hearing me? Calvary takes you to Pentecost, but doesn't leave you there. Pentecost always takes you back to the table. The power is in the this is, this is the remedy for salvation. You need to learn the gospel. You need to learn how to present the gospel. You need to learn how to receive the power of the Spirit and then learn how to release the power of the Spirit. How? God could give you dreams. God could give you visions. God, God can give you an, a, a speak in your spirit to, to tell your neighbor. I remember, I remember at Peace Chapel, I was on staff, and I Every Saturday, I'd go out with Paul Skidmore. That was one of the things I would do as associate pastor, go out on visitation. And uh, I know we don't do much visiting anymore, but in case anybody wanted to, I have some visitation. You're invited cards. I'll throw them on the altar. Not everybody comes up here, but if anybody decided to ever make an altar, there'd be one. So Saturday, we're driving by with Paul, and uh, I said, Paul, stop, stop here. He said, what? What's going on, Brother Ron? I said, I need. I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to stop. Uh, this, we didn't even get out of the church parking lot. It was next door to the church at Peace Chapel, Fair Grove, where I don't know, none of those people, they didn't go to the church. I knocked on the door. Paul said, you go ahead. I said, okay, brother. Okay, he was a deacon. Okay, man of God, I'll go ahead. So I knocked on the door. I got some serious, interesting visitation stories if you ever want to talk. I don't have time today, but I sat on a pig one time, a little pot belly pig, and squeak. And uh, but anyway, the Holy Spirit moved on me. This is true. I'm not joking. That's really happened. Pot belly pig, Homa, Louisiana. Uh, that tells you a lot right there. But anyway, I I I knocked on the door, and a lady comes at the door. I said, ma'am. I'm Ron Moran. I'm the associate pastor next door at Peace Chapel. And here's Paul Skidmore. He's a deacon. We go out and visit. No. Driving by today, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to stop that maybe we could pray with you about something. 
I mean to tell you, big, big crocodile tears come rolling down her face. And she said, she said, I just got off the phone. My husband died. And I asked God while I was hanging up, Lord, if there's anybody you could send to pray for me, send them now. Let me tell you, CBC didn't teach that. Holy Spirit put something in my spirit. And uh, and taking the risk, you know, taking the risk. I mean, what do I have to lose? Reputation? Being embarrassed? Took the risk. We prayed for that lady right there, right on the spot. I mean, oh, God knows the lady at the house next door to Peach Chapel. And what he wants to do is release the church to meet the need of the lady in the house next door to Peace Chapel. Powerful, powerful people in Fairgrove, Missouri. Sister Peggy DeHaven, she worked at the at the headquarters. Melissa and I got invited to her house one day. Funny story. She said, Pastor Ron, and she talked a little like that. You know, sometimes older people have a little Talk like that. Not anybody at Oak Grove. But Peace Chapel had somebody like that. Sister Peggy DeHaven was her name. And, and she said, Pastor Ron, I got to tell you something. I want to say thank you to you and Melissa for coming to eat lunch today after church. But I, I want you to know, when the rapture takes place, it'll be business as usual at 1445 Boonfield. I guess you don't know where that is. That is the headquarters of the Assemblies of God. <laughs> she worked there. How many know there are equal opportunity employers over there? Not everybody's going to heaven, she was saying. She said they will keep right on printing those Pentecostal evangels. I'm so done with the mundane. I'm so sick of the routine. I'm so tired of the same old, same old. Could God interrupt our schedules? Could God speak to you at your dinner table or driving along the way? Could he empower you? Maybe, I don't know what your need is. We're going we're gonna to take communion. I want the ushers to come because we, we we're going to take communion, then we're going to do an altar. And the altar is going to be this. And I'll finish preaching later, but this is going to be the altar. What do you need power for today? We're going to pray for you. We're going to anoint you with oil. Some of you need power for healing and a miracle. How many know the supernatural is something else besides the table, the, the power of the supernatural? So, so I'm going to keep preaching while they're passing out the elements. The supernatural was evident when they came out of that upper room experience. Signs and wonders followed those that believed. Signs and wonders. And they validated what? They validated the word of God. The fact that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now validates the fact that he said it is so. If you don't believe that, there's no reason even going to the book of Acts. If you don't believe the gospel, why even go to the book of Acts? Because it's a continuation of all that Jesus has seen, we've seen Jesus do and teach. That's what, that's what Luke is saying. Hey, hey, Theophilus, this is a continuation. He's doing it. He's doing it. I mean, no, Jesus is on the move. Well, Pastor, I thought you said he's up in heaven. Yeah, but how many know he has the authority to dispatch angels? How many know the angels are messengers and servants of the Lord? And if the Lord sees something he needs, how many know he has the authority to dispatch angels? And guess what? He also has the authority to dispatch and release his church. You. You. Those 12 disciples, man, they went out. And it wasn't very long, the next chapter. We'll talk about the supernatural next week. We'll talk about the supernatural in Acts chapter 3. The gate called Beautiful. On their regular routine, just going on their way. I mean, oh, God wants to interrupt your daily routine. He just wants to speak to you. And then when he speaks to you, he wants you to speak to somebody else. That's about as simple as it gets. Say, Pastor, I'm not really a speaker. I'm not really a public person. I'm kind of shy and introverted. Introverted. Well, listen, I've seen some of you shy people at the ballpark. 
You're not as shy as you think you are. You're putting on the ritz somewhere, here or there, I don't know where. But one of these places you're lying. How many know you ought to be the same thing everywhere? First thing we ought to be is excited about the resurrection and the release of Jesus. And then secondly, we ought to be excited about the empowerment, the joy. When they left the upper room, they left with joy. They left with fire. They left with fire. And there were baptismal uh, uh, portals all below there where Jews would baptize before they go into the temple. And in those baptisms, they baptized 3,000. 3,000 were added to the church that day. One day. 120 to 3,000 one day. One, one service. And we think we're big and bad with mega churches. I mean, oh, the first day of Pentecost at a mega church. Big deal. And very, not very long after that, they had 5,000. Not very long. How many, how, many, how many do you think they have today? Believers around the world. In the assemblies of God alone, we have 68 million adherents. Since 1914, 100 years. That's worth giving God praise for. That's just one fellowship, the assemblies of God. We have the church of God, the church of God in Christ, Foursquare, Nazarene. The assemblies of God are not the only ones going to heaven. Some folks, maybe even Asbury Methodists, might be having revival, and we're not. Oh, my goodness. Please, God, don't let me die before we have revival. I can't bear to stand before John Wesley to say, Y'all had something I couldn't have. We're not in competition. We are the church. So the revival at uh, Zusa Street, the revival at Pensacola, the revival of the first great awakening, second great awakening. How many know there's coming a third great awakening? And I sense a stirring in the air. I really do. I sense a stirring. What you're seeing at Asbury, over at uh, in Tennessee at the Lee College. And, and I know it might be starting with college students, and I know it's, it's pretty convenient since they have no jobs and, you know, go pray every day and all that and I know you're saying Pastor Ron I want revival and I want to go and have long times of seasons of the Lord uh, but I got to go to work I get that I get that but Jesus said as you go the great commission is as you go Matthew 28 19 and 20 as you go preach teach baptize Tell them everything I commanded you, and I'll be with you. That's the purpose of Pentecost. So today we're going to take communion. If you have it with you, I want you to think about this. This is what they were doing. They were praying together. You'll have prayer. If you have a revival, you'll have prayer, which is speaking to God, listening to God. You'll also have uh, preaching. How will they hear without a preacher? And how will we preach if we don't send out preachers? I mean, oh, it's alarming to close Bible schools today. We should be opening Bible schools, not closing them. How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach if we don't send them? So God baptized the church. We are, and we're about to take communion together. You know why? Because God commanded us, as often as you gather together, Even the night he was betrayed, he took the cup and the bread. He broke it. They broke bread together. In their culture, it meant that they ate together. I know this is our our rendition of their communion and breaking bread. But it's symbolic. It's just symbolic. This is not the body of Jesus. This is not the blood of Jesus. This is a symbol of his broken body and his shed blood. Everybody clear? And it's so easy for people to go off biblically wrong on all of it and that's what religion does it binds but relationship how many know it releases so we're going to take the the communion together and we're going to bind our hearts together let me just tell you before you take before you take if you have aught in your heart with anybody especially in your family or in this house how many know you ought to get it right get it right personally first 
Because sometimes people don't want it to be made right with you. But, but, but don't fall for the trap. Just get it right personally and let the Lord deal with them. But always be ready to open the door for them to make it right. Make it easy for people to find forgiveness. That's the encouragement today. All right? That you would find forgiveness first of your own sin and then make it right so that we can be one. Jesus spent I don't know how much time in John 17, five times, saying to the Father, Father, let them be one as we are one. It's the only unanswered prayer Jesus still has. Father, let them be one as you and I are one. So the Pentecost experience in the upper room was that first place where the church became one. And from there they moved out. Shared this broken bread together in the Jews. The gospel message began to spread like wildfire. And they got to baptize people and see all kinds of miracles and actions. Cripple runs through the temple. A lying couple drops dead. An angry mob stones a man glowing like an angel. That's um, Stephen. A sorcerer surrenders to a greater power. A man sees a vision that changes his life. An angel visits an unsaved military man. An apostle loses his head. A king is struck dead. All this in the first half of the book of Acts. A lot of stuff going on. Nobody's going to be bored in this study. It's a book about people. Peter, the little mouse, becomes a mighty lion for the glory of God. That's what God can do for you. Let's offer these elements to the Lord. Father God, we are Oak Grove. And together with one voice, one mind, one spirit, we come together. Supernaturally, would you baptize us in the love of God? When we hear testimonies from the Asbury uh, College, they kept saying when people would walk in, they'd feel the love of God. When, when people walk in here, God, could you allow them to feel that same power, that same love, that same resurrection power that brought you out of the grave and released this church? We pray over these elements, God. And our goal is, Lord, not only to know you intimately, but to make you known in every place our feet shall tread. Empower your people today. Get us ready. In Jesus' name, amen. You may partake. Whatever happens is going to happen in the spirit. Whatever happens is going to happen in the spirit, not in the flesh. God's going to spread this gospel around the world. He's going to use you. He's going to use you. Say, Pastor, we're only a couple of hundred strong. Well, it only took 120 to change the world. Actually, 12. 12 became 120. 120 became an amount of people right now we can't even number. Would you stand with me today? Out of that little bunch of people. The Bible calls them ignorant and unlearned men. Came the word of God in boldness and power. Even willing to give their life unto death. I want our prayer partners to come. I want, you to, I want you to come and stand here. i got the oil right here. And I want to ask those of you who have a need for empowerment. Maybe your joy is gone. You need power to get your joy back. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, your body, maybe your finances, maybe your vision, maybe your purpose. Whatever it is you need to be empowered for. Maybe it is your speech. Maybe you are intimidated. Maybe you haven't shared your faith. I don't know. Whatever it is. God wants to empower you. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit at all with the evidence of speaking in unknown tongues. I mean, there is a real baptism. But it's only the beginning. The outcome is the love of God that is in our hearts spread abroad 
by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit is here. If you have a need, come and visit one of these prayer partners. The balcony on the main floor. You need empowerment. Any reason, for any reason, think about it. What do I need power for? What do I need to be empowered for? And whisper to your prayer partner. I need power to... And the Holy Spirit is going to empower you today. If you want to take some of these, pass them out, visit. Let God utilize you. Let Him release you. Let the power of God move in your life. Sing the Lord together. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. We are one people. Same message. One goal. One vision. Glorify God. Glorify God with my life.